the Lord is my shepherd. Just a reminder that David was a shepherd. David knew what it was to care for sheep. He was a good shepherd, faithfully watching the flock for his father, Jesse. But David had a shepherd, and that shepherd is our shepherd if we're saved. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Notice now he's speaking to the shepherd, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our Father, as we pray today, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is truly divinely inspired and fallible. We thank you that it is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And today we ask you to bless as we study the word together. Lord, help us to get from our mind things that would distract us, things that would hinder us from hearing what you have for us through your word. We pray that you'd use your word in our lives, God, to help us to grow, to help us to appreciate your goodness. And Father, if there be those here today who've never tasted of the goodness of God, never been saved by the grace of God, we pray that today especially your word would work in hearts to draw people to yourself. We thank you for the heart of the shepherd who looks after the sheep, who goes after those that are lost, who heals and helps those that are hurting. We thank you that you're our shepherd today. We thank you for all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. We're on the last verse of the psalm today. Just kind of briefly summarize. Again, it's about the shepherd's care for the flock, his goodness. God is good, and David recognized that. He was so satisfied, so content with his shepherd, he said, I shall not want. There's nothing that anybody else or anything else can provide that I cannot find in the shepherd. And he restores me. We need to be restored from time to time, and only the Lord can do that. People may help, people may counsel, people may pray for us. But to get real spiritual restoration, it takes the Lord's grace working in our life. We covered one verse about the valley we go through valleys, but even in the valleys, God is still good, and he's with us. And we don't have to dwell in fear, even surrendered by our, surrounded by our enemies. He sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies, and our cup runs over. And, and to me, the psalm just sort of crescendos into this conclusion in verse 6, and that'll be where we 
focus today, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, that really covers it. I want to speak on this theme today, all my days and forever. All my days and forever. The first word is a important word, the word surely there in verse 6. It's not incidental. Strong defines this word surely as a, particip a participle of affir affirmation. In other words, it, it's establishing firmness and certainty. I'm assured this is how it will be. Surely goodness and mercy. And notice then the word shall, not maybe, not perhaps, but certainly this, this is a declaration about the faithfulness of our shepherd. All my days and forever, all my days and forever, goodness and mercy shall follow me. God is always good. I was reading yesterday in the 107th Psalm where the psalmist said five times this very statement I'm about to make, five different times in one psalm, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. God is to be praised for his goodness. He is good. David was a good shepherd, but David was convinced that his shepherd was also good. God is always good. God is not good because we recognize his goodness. God is good because God is good. Goodness does not mean that there are no difficulties or challenges. I want to I want to park here for just a few moments. If you think mean, God being good means you never have a trial, then you're missing something in the scripture. Hold your finger here if you would in Psalms, and let's go to a couple of passages. The first one is in the book of Genesis, and we're going to be in Genesis 50 in that familiar record of Joseph and, and all the things that happened in Joseph's life and how his brothers betrayed him and how he became a slave and and how he was falsely accused and ended up in in jail and in Psalm uh, excuse me Genesis 50 I just want to read a single verse because it talks about the goodness of God Joseph said in Genesis 50 and verse 20 speaking to his brothers but as for you you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Even though you betrayed me, even though you treated me the way you did, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. God meant it for good. Paul wrote in the uh, the Roman epistle, all things work together for good. That's something, isn't it? Not some things, most things, all things. All things work together to them that love God. Work for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We're in Psalms, but I'm going to go to Psalm 119 before we get back to our text. I'm going to look at a couple other places. In Psalm 119, the great psalm that, that really says so much about the power and the blessing of the word of God. Psalm 119 and a couple of verses, verse 71, where the writer says, it is good 
I hope you see that in your Bible. It is good. Psalm 119 and verse 71, it is good for me that I've been afflicted. Affliction means trouble, hardship. It's a good perspective to have. It's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Even when we go through difficulty and problems, it's good for us because we can learn some things in it. In that same passage, just a few verses before that, the writer says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Many of us could testify to that about some time in our life. We had problems and difficulties. We may not have treated them like they were friendly, but through it all, God used that. Let's go to one other passage. Go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 16. This is another dark time of one of God's servants. 2 Samuel chapter 16. It was when David was leaving, escorting those who were with him, loyal to him, out of Jerusalem because his son Absalom had rebelled and turned against him and betrayed him, turned the hearts of David's followers against David. And David is leaving Jerusalem. And it's a difficult time. He had, a, he had some folks cheering him on here in our text. Look in verse 5. And when King David came to Bahurim, behold, there thence, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gerah. He came forth and cursed still as he came, and he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Just try to put that together in your mind. You're leaving the place of service where God had put you. You're waited so long, really, for God's will to be accomplished because he had been, you know, mistreated by the previous king, by Saul. He knew that Samuel had anointed him to be the king, and yet he had lived through all this, and now finally he's, he's in the on the throne in Jerusalem, and now he's leaving. And while he's leaving, he's got this Shimei coming along, casting rocks at him, throwing stones at him. Verse 7, And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial. You're, just the, you're of the devil. The Lord hath returned upon thee. Here's accusations toward David. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. God's the one that's doing this, David, because thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, this is a loyal supporter of David, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. Just get right to the point. I've known some independent Baptists like this. And the king said, is what David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. 
God's allowing this. Who shall then say, wherefore hast thou done so? You know, David had enough um, understanding to know that God was allowing this. Verse 11, it says, And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold my son, which came forth of my bowels, talking about Absalom, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone. Let him curse. For the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. But I think it's good that David said, leave him alone. Maybe God will take what he's doing and make good come out of it. God is always good. We ought to get that in our hearts and in our minds. God is always, we're going to go back to Psalm 23, God is always good. And David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Surely, absolutely, without hesitation, without, without doubt, goodness is going to follow me. But also mercy, he said. Goodness and mercy. We understand the word mercy. It's really God's pity, his kindness, his favor. God will always be good and God will always be merciful. I love the, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but I just love to think about the quality of that character of God. The place that God chose to meet with his people was at the mercy seat. There in the tabernacle, God is a God of mercy. It describes God's compassion, describes God's enduring love. Mercy is God not giving undeserved undeserving sinners what they really have coming. And everyone in this room, whether you realize it or not, we are here today because of the mercy of God. God is merciful. We primarily think of mercy as it has to do with forgiveness, and we, we ought to. Proverbs says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. You try to hide your sin, it'll never be good. It'll never profit you. We heard Brother Hawkins confessing his sin today of speeding. And uh, he didn't try to cover his sin. He said, I am guilty. <laughs> he that covered his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaken them, their sins shall have mercy. Aren't you glad for God's mercy today? It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. The reason we're here today, young people, is not because we are so good. It's because God is so good. God is merciful. He is a merciful God. And goodness and mercy shall follow me. Those two terms often are uh, found together in the Bible. You know, in Psalm 100, the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting. So David said, back to Psalm 23, David said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. The word there, follow me, means exactly what we'd think. It means to actually run after, to pursue. Goodness and mercy follow us. If you're saved, goodness and mercy will follow you. It'll track you down. God's love and mercy will follow us. Now this is interesting. You think about the sheep and the shepherd. 
the, the sheep follow the shepherd, but goodness and mercy follow the sheep. The sheep follows the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, but goodness and mercy, David said, follow me. And then notice what he said in verse 6, all the days of my life. Don't you love the word all? Just leaves out everything else. Not some of my days, not most of my days, but all my days. And by the way, God's goodness and mercy are following us today if we're saved. We're sitting here today in a wonderful environment, breathing God's good air. I'm not being punished for my sins today. We have plenty to eat. We're surrounded by people who care about us. I'm just telling you, God's mercy and His goodness are following us today. Every day. Every day for the duration of our lives. The good days and the bad days. His mercy and His goodness are following us. The happy days and the dreary days. All the days. His goodness and His mercy are following us. No matter what happens, goodness and mercy will follow us. In every situation, through every stage of life, in your youth, your adolescence, middle age, and for some of you who are older than that, in every stage of life, in every circumstance, in every place, wherever you are, if, God is, if the Lord is your shepherd... His goodness and mercy are following us all the days of our life. Surely, David said, I am confident. And we ought to be confident in our shepherd. He can be trusted. Some of us who are a, a bit older can look back over our lives and, and often think of good times, but also think of difficult times, dark times. Times when we've been maybe betrayed by someone you love, someone has hurt you, maybe your reputation has been maligned, you've been wounded. We've all had those times. And even though I might not have sensed it at the time or seen it at the time or felt it at the time, I know this. Our shepherd was with us all the time. And His goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. In times of confusion, in times of uncertainty, even in times when we've fallen in some temptation, His mercy and goodness are following us. Don't look now, but somebody's following you. Goodness and mercy, whether we feel it, Way too much emphasis in our world about feelings. Nothing wrong with feeling, but it's not about your feeling. It's about what God says. And wherever you are, whatever you're going through, goodness and mercy will follow you. And then he says this in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Out of curiosity, I looked up that phrase, the house of the Lord in the Bible. I read my whole Bible this week and looked up every verse. No, I'm just kidding. I did a little search. That phrase, now this is worth thinking about, that phrase, the house of the Lord is found 
over 200 times in the Bible. The house of the Lord. David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Often, when it says the house of the Lord, it's not talking about heaven. It's talking about the place of worship where God is. Let's look at a couple of those. You're in Psalm 24. Just go maybe one page to the right or so to Psalm 27. David, again, a psalm of David. Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Notice that phrase again, all the days of my life. All the days of my life. Young person, you ought to think about this. All the days of my life. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but as long as I live, this is the one thing I want more than anything, is I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. That's talking about David's love for the house of God. David's love for the house of God. Psalm uh, 27. Go just uh, back just a little bit. Psalm 26 and verse 8. Another psalm of David. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. I love God's house. I tell you, if you love the house of God, you're in good company. Psalm 84, let's look at that quickly. Psalm 84 and verse 4. The psalmist said, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They shall be still praising thee, Selah. All these verses about the house of the Lord. Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know it's a wise person who recognizes the value of assembling in the house of the Lord. David loved the house of God. By the way, what made it the house of the Lord? What made this the house? It wasn't just the structure because it was the house of the Lord when it was a tabernacle. It was the house of the Lord when it was a temple. What made it the house of the Lord? It's because the Lord was there. That's what makes it. Let's just, let's just really think about that together. What makes it the house of the Lord? It's God's house. It's where God shows himself and dwells there. What a life to live in God's house. Amen? What a life. You say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, Paul wrote this to Timothy in the New Testament. This is a quote. The house of God, which is the church of the living God. This is the house of God. Because the church is assembled here. This building is not the house of God. We got a note from uh, my wife's brother and his wife uh, this week, two large cabins that they had lived in and built in the Gatlinburg area were burned to the ground by brush fires this week. 
You know, something could take this building away, but this building is not the church. The church is the body of Christ. This is the house of God. God's house. If, you, if we were to invite you over to our home, which we're not, <laughs> if we were to invite you over to our home, it's our home. You know why we, it's our home? Because we live there, right? This is God's house. When we're together, this is God's house. God lives here. That's what makes it the house of the Lord because the Lord is there. The Lord lives in His house. You know, every, every religious edifice is not necessarily the house of God. If the Lord's not there, what makes it the house of the Lord is the Lord that makes it the house. I love the house of God. I love the house of God because we are part of that spiritual building. I love the house of God because God is God's house. His presence is in His house. Like David, this is what David said, I don't want to ever be, think about this. David said, I don't ever want to be separated from the house of God. I want to live all my days in the house of God. We don't love the house of God or God's house because they always sing only my favorite songs. We don't love it because the sermons are always perfect. We, or any other reason like that. We love it because God is here. Whether you think about it or not, I think this is true. I think this is true. That sometimes people get... A, distracted and obsessed about a lot of other things even in the time of worship and miss the main purpose and the main reason of being here is because it's the Lord's house. Wouldn't it be great if every true believer, every true believer could get up on the Lord's day and say, I'm, I, I'm glad when they said, this is, it's, it's time to go to the Lord's house. I was glad when they said to me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. It's a joyous time. We love the Lord's house because it's God's house. But back to Psalm 23 where David said, the one who had said numerous times that I want to live in the Lord's house all my days. He said in verse 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now there's this dispute and discussion and debate about whether he's talking here about God's house or whether he's talking about I mean God's house here on this earth or God's house in heaven but to me there's only one house of the Lord we're going to live in forever and it's not this one it's the one in heaven I think he I think David's referring not just to the Lord's earthly house but his heavenly home we'll live in the house of the Lord forever Forever. I was talking to my wife this morning about how many people that we know of who've gone to be with the Lord in the last few years. So many of them. It's just, I mean, the older we get, the more that's a reality, I think. But I think it's different, more than that. Young people, people who we never would have thought just 
We had one just, well, they, the Cooks went to a funeral yesterday of a 20-something-year-old great-niece of theirs. Died in her sleep. Um, but the good news is, this is not our home. There is a house of God that we will be in forever. The saved, those who really know the Lord, those who've been born again, those who can claim God as their Father and Jesus as their Savior, when they leave here, we heard this this morning in Sunday school hour, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, the Lord's always with us, right? He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake us. I say again, we don't know he's with us because we feel him. We know he's with us because he said he would be. He promised he would be. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And we know that by faith. But one day, we will be in his presence. One day, we'll be home. At home with the Lord. This talk about eternal blessing. It's talking about eternal fellowship with God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To dwell somewhere is the place you live. It's your home. We're going to live forever with the Lord. Heaven is a home. Heaven will be our home. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. David knew, David knew what it meant to care for a flock. And David knew that the Lord was his shepherd. And David knew that no matter what the future brought, no matter what the days may bring, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever is a long time. I don't know if you, if you remember this name, but there was an author who was born in the Netherlands. He came to America in 1902. His name was Hendrik Van Loon. I've known some Loons, but this was Hendrik Van Loon. He was an author of children's books during the Second World War. One of the books he wrote is called The Story of Mankind. In the, score, in the Story of Mankind, he wrote this about eternity. This was his description or definition of how long forever is. He said, high up in the north, in the land called Vithjad, there stands a rock. The rock is a hundred miles high. And a hundred miles wide. Once every thousand years, a little bird comes to this rock to sharpen its beak. When the rock has been worn away, then a single day of eternity will have gone by. Eternity's a long time, it's forever. I want to live in, if I could say it this way, in the house of God in the church all my days.
We want to be faithful to the house of God. But one of these days we're going to go to our eternal home. We heard this in Sunday school this morning. Heaven is not the only place where people will spend eternity. Heaven is the home of the saints, the saved, the born again, the followers of Jesus Christ. But Jesus talked about another place when he said this. He said there's a place prepared for the devil and his angels. It's not prepared for saints and godly people. It was made, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's another eternal place of abode. That's where people go who do not trust Christ as Savior. It is true, as we heard in Sunday school and we hear it often, it is true. We sometimes live as though this is all there is. But this is not all there is. This is a great life. I say this, I've said it many, you'd say the same thing. If I had a thousand lives to live, I'd live every one of them as a Christian. This is a great life. Even when we go through valleys, we're not alone. He's with us. Even when we're in the face of our enemies, He prepares a table before us. He's always with us. And all the days of our life, all the days of your life, however long you live, if you're a saint, you're a child of God, if you're a sheep that belong to the shepherd, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Even if it doesn't feel good or look good, God's going to work it together for good because that's the way He is. But at the end of this life, we have heaven to look forward to. All this in heaven too. Aren't you glad for that? But if you're not saved, if you're not saved, you don't have that to look forward to. Going to the place the Bible calls hell will be a horrific experience for anyone that goes there. But can I tell you who I think it's going to be especially horrific for? And that's for those who've heard the gospel and knew the gospel and had opportunities to be saved and yet they procrastinated or postponed and reject Jesus Christ knowing they could have been in heaven forever but they're going to be forever in the fires of hell. That's going to be a horrendous awakening, isn't it? God is good today. Amen. God is good. He's always good. Even in the valleys, God is good. Amen. Do you know him today? If you know him today, let's, let's focus on the goodness of God. Declare the goodness of God. Enjoy the goodness of God. And let's tell other people about how good God is. How good our shepherd is. We don't want to be some grumbling sheep. Amen. We're delighted. Our cup runneth over. Amen. God is good. And in the end, we're going to see that. But we know it. 
we know it to be true. If you don't know him today, why don't you come to him today? Why don't you take that step and say, I, I, want, I want the Lord in my life. I need salvation. I stand as a guilty sinner. I need salvation. And if that's you, you ought to come today, and I'll meet you right here at the front. Say, I, I want to be saved. I want the Lord. We're here to help you. That's why we're here. You know, we're satisfied customers. God's been good to us. Amen.